The following is a continuation of the previous episode. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons Podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we discuss the imminent return of Christ, the Antichrist, the final battle, the millennial kingdom, the beast and his number, and the events that surround the end of the old earth. The history of prophecy is meant to help us see where we are and where we are going. Ultimately, it all boils down to this. God is in control, and our response is to trust and endure that we might share with him in the kingdom of heaven. So look at verse 42, back to Matthew 24. Watch therefore, you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. And going back to Noah, Noah was faithful, faithful, faithful. It was only at the last minute Noah was told, okay, now go get in the ark. He was not told, okay, do this and 120 years from now, I'm going, I'm going to put you in the ark. He's just faithful, 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 build, 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 and then got in the ark. So that's my take. So this is, this is uh, I think, about the most definitive we get about how this works. And you can see that it's just not that, it's not that sequential of what we get. It's interesting, though, as we turn to uh, Revelation, that this time period, this seven years, although it's reinforced significantly... Uh, it's not as prominent, it doesn't seem, as this three and a half years. You recall in, in, in chapter 9 of uh, Daniel that this abomination of desolation happened when? When did it happen? When did it take place? Yeah, it was in, in the middle of the week, he said. In the middle of the week. So the week is seven years. So at the three and a half year point, you have this abomination of desolations take place. Uh, I take from this that this covenant with many uh, is not going to be necessarily all that easy to discern. And when you're really going to know is when this abomination of desolation takes place. That's when, you, that's when you're going to know. And uh, hopefully it's not us that get to look at that, to, to, to know that piece of it. But let's look at Revelation 13 and look at who is this character that's going to do this abomination of desolation. And he's known by various names in the scripture. The beast, the antichrist, man of sin. Let's look at chapter 13, verse 1. This is the revelation of of Jesus to John. And I've made the point that Revelation is a very simple book. It just says you need to read it, understand it, and do it. That's, That's the key thing. And the overriding point is that being faithful even in the face of really bad tribulation, is an incredibly good idea. And being unfaithful is an incredibly bad idea. It's really simple. All the details in between are pretty complicated. Uh, but we can have some models to understand these things because what we can get from it is encouragement that God is in control, even though some really, really bad things are going to happen. And you can, you can see that God wants to give us this encouragement because if... When, when really bad things happen, we tend to say, God, where are you in this? And he's explaining to us, look, I'm in this all the way through. So chapter 13, verse 1, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. 
having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw is like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So who's the dragon? Satan. So that's interesting. Satan gives him the power. And Satan's still the prince of this world. Uh, when Jesus was tempted, Satan offered, gave him this offer, didn't he? He said, if you will, what? Worship me, I'll give you all the, all the kingdoms of the earth. And Jesus did not say, it's not yours to give. Jesus, Jesus answered, and I don't actually remember what his answer was. Anybody remember what the answer to that one was? You shall worship your God only, or what? He's quoted scripture, yeah. I forget which one it was. So it's basically, no, I'll wait my turn. I'll wait my time. I'll wait till God's timing takes place. So here it is that this authority is given to this beast. And verse 3 says, I thought I saw one of his heads as if it was mortally wounded. His deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So here we've got this man that apparently overcomes some uh, mortal wound. It could be physical. It could be his uh, kingdom. Because well, most of the language we have in this book is, is symbolic. It's symbolic of something real, though. And so it, we can't be sure exactly what this is. We'll talk a little more about this in a minute. But let's look at uh, chapter 14, verse 9. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels, in the presence of the Lamb. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I made the case for a model that says that this fire, including the lake of fire, is actually emanating from the presence of God, who is our consuming fire. And look here, you've got this torment happening in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And that's, again, to me, just a, 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 a sign that this um, torment is not necessarily going to be some other place way away. And I think that's going to make it uh, more difficult, not less. So the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day and night. So it's a bad idea to follow this man of sin, this beast. I think that seems to be clear enough. Um, Let's look then at uh, 19. We can kind of see how all this turns out. Because this beast ends up being completely dominant over the whole earth. And uh, the beast is uh, the world ruler and including uh, beheading people that won't take his mark and so forth. In chapter 19, verse 19, I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And this, the one who sits on the horse is back uh, here in, in the previous uh, uh, verses here, verse 11, I saw he- heaven open a white horse and him who sat on it called faithful and true. So you got Jesus and his army coming and you got the beast and his army coming together. And verse 20, the beast was captured. 
And with him, the false prophet. This is the guy that has this false religion that deceives people and gets them to worship the beast. Uh, who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. So here we have two people that actually go straight into the lake of fire. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. So here's Jesus who, uh, after having given these people all this opportunity uh, finally executes his wrath and satisfies the people under the altar previously in this book of Revelation who have said, how long are you going to wait until you avenge those who who, uh, martyred us? How long are you going to wait? We're tired of waiting. Well, wait no more. It finally has come to pass. So this is is the, um, the end. This is when the end comes. And then we go into this period of the millennial kingdom. And you've got the, I I believe, the millennial kingdom, the thousand years. Look at chapter 20, verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from a heaven, having a key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who's the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, cast him in the bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal on him so he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he'd be released for a little while. And so you've got this thousand-year period where the Satan, the dragon, even though the beast and the false prophet are already in the lake of fire, the dragon's not there yet. He goes into this bottomless pit for a thousand years. Now you have the millennial kingdom. And going back to Daniel 2 that we looked at last time, you've got this this statue that goes uh, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. And then you have this rock that's not cut with hands that comes down and smashes the statue statue and fills the whole earth. Well now we have the statue smashed because the beast is the culmination of the uh, of the Roman Empire uh, unfortunately and it's smashed completely at this point and now the kingdom of God fills the earth. So that's a, that is a sequence and that's some of the stuff we can know about the sequence. You know well, there's not enough there, and I think God does this on purpose. There's not enough there for us to discern, and this is what people tend to want to do, for us to discern, well, um, where are the safe zones where I can send all I want to and then kind of confess right at the end and uh, you know get away with it? This, this is a very common way of thinking that we have. Well, he, he, he closed that loophole, didn't he? He says, be ready at all times. And also, there's going to be all these birth pangs. Now, last time we talked about some of the birth pangs, we've had guys that looked like they were going to be the beast. Nero very much looked like he was going to be the beast. Uh, we've had uh, Hitler look like he was going to be the beast. I mean, look, he wanted to set up the thousand-year reign, the, the Third Reich. That was his propaganda. Uh, Stalin, communism take over the whole world, bring in utopia, the workers, you know, for the, for the workers. Let's look at verse uh, 8. The beast you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. There's a very interesting phrase there. You know, Jesus is said to have been the one who was 
and is and is to come. Was and is and is to come. Well, the beast is the one who was and is not and ascends out of the bottomless pit. Now, the beast is given a number, you know, and in Hebrew, uh, every letter has a number. And they, they use a, a, an interpretation method they call gematria. And they'll actually take the numeric value of any one word and any other word that has that same value, they will say, or even phrase, they'll say, well, because this phrase or this word has the same value as this phrase or this word, then that, that's important. That has, that has significant meaning. It's a thinking process that really would never even enter our mind. And we're given this, this number, 666, and the key, the key phrase there, I think, is it says it's the number of a man. And yet, this beast comes out of the bottomless pit. I'm not sure what this means. You know, I don't know what this means. It could mean that that, that, that uh, injury this, this person overcame. It could mean that this is a resurrected person from the past. You know, we looked at Antiochus Epiphanes in 168 who actually went into the temple and desecrated it. It was an abomination of desolation's uh, example. Well, Jesus is talking about something that's going to happen in the future, so he can't be talking about the past, but he can be talking about an event that's already been foreshadowed for us. Um, Maybe he resurrects. Maybe it's talking about that when it says the dragon gives his authority to the beast, maybe it's just talking about that the authority comes out of the bottomless pit. I don't know what it means. But let's go on. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. So Jesus was and is and is to come. And I think we can, you know, Jesus was. He's from the beginning of the world. He created the world. He is. He came, he came to earth as a man and manifested himself to us. Man become flesh. And then he's going to come back again in the same manner. Well, but he's also been all the way along. But it's, it's a way of explaining to us this, this, uh, this two advents of the one who is from everlasting. Well, now we've got the beast who was and is not and yet is. What in the world does that mean? Not sure. But let's look at some things here that are interesting. Here's the mind which has wisdom, verse 9. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Now, does anybody know what the city of seven hills is? It's Rome. So I think what we're telling, what he's telling us is, is that this is going to come out of Rome, and we're just going back to Daniel chapter two, and the Roman Empire is going to rise again. You know, people have been trying to put the Roman Empire back together ever since the early days. You know, it split into two pieces with the West and the East, and the, the capital in Rome and Constantinople, and then it just broke into pieces. It never was conquered, and then it reformed in, in eight hundred. Uh, A.D. with the uh, advent of Charlemagne, who was crowned on Christmas Eve as the Holy Roman Emperor. And the Holy Roman Empire was born, and it lasted about a thousand years. And it was disassembled, or or really uh, repudiated, uh, when uh, Napoleon came around, because Napoleon wanted to be the Holy Roman Emperor. And the standing Holy Roman Emperor just said, we don't have a Holy Roman Empire anymore. You can't get it from 
And, and now it's going to be put back together again, and this is going to be the unholy Roman Empire. So, verse 10, there are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. When he comes, he must continue a short time. Now, what in the world is this? I, I don't know what this is either, but there's some interesting things to think about. What? You know? I think we can have some interesting insights, but I just want to focus on the things that we can know for sure. The rest of it, I think we're given indications so we can get the main point. And the main point is, it's really a good idea to just keep going and doing what Jesus told us to. It's really a good idea. Bad idea to do the other thing. Uh, So we had uh, five Julian emperors, Augustus, Tiberius, Gaius, Claudius, and Nero. Nero's the fifth. Nero was so bad, he bankrupted the Roman Empire he, by building his house. You know, he burned Rome, and most people think that, or many people think, that he burned it just to make room for his house. He completely emptied the Roman treasury to build his house. It took up a fourth of the city of Rome. And he was so corrupt and so bad, when they finally got rid of him, they passed this law, I forget what they call it, it's like uh, remove your name from the history books forever and they went through and just took everything Nero did and just raised it to the ground um, it, you know that's that's why there's not much left of him around he was awful he's the one that dipped the, the Christians in tar and put them up on poles and burned them as nightlights he was he was hideously bad and then one is and one's yet to come and then the beast is the eighth it says Verse 11, the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. So maybe this is telling us that we've got these examples of what was. We've got some things going on now that are. are. There's another one coming. And then much later, there's going to be somebody that's like these guys, but he's, he's somewhat different. Maybe it's talking about he was like them in terms of Julius or Augustus who actually were, you know, rulers of the entire world, but also like Nero, who was mad and who killed Christians and railed against uh, anyone who wouldn't worship him and so forth. Maybe he's kind of like a compilation of all these guys put together. Perhaps that's what it's talking about. The beast. This three and a half year thing is quite interesting as well. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that next time. But I just, I just want to uh, end with a little insight that I find very interesting. So all the different things in Revelation that involve seven. We just looked at seven hills here. Um, and let me just reel them off to you here. In Revelation 1-4, got seven churches. We have letters to the seven churches. In one twelve, we have seven lampstands. In one sixteen, we have seven stars. 3.1, we have seven spirits of God. 4.5, we have seven lamps and seven spirits. 5.1, we have seven seals that are broken. And every seal has a different judgment that comes out of it. In 5.6, we have the lamb that has seven horns and seven eyes. In 8.2, we have seven angels that stand before God who blow seven trumpets. And out of these seven trumpets come seven judgments. In 10.3, we have seven thunders. And the thunders say something, and he's about to write it down. He says, don't write that down. I want you, don't want you to know that. 
which I think is ample indication that there's stuff God doesn't want us to know. In 11.3, we got 7,000 people killed by an earthquake. In 12.3, we got this dragon with seven heads and seven crowns. In 15.1, we got seven plagues. In 15.7, we got seven bowls, bowl judgments. In 17.9 that we just looked at, we have seven hills. It's interesting how many times that seven shows up. I've been told that seven is a, a number of completion or a fulfillment. So if we got, we've had seven emperors and this beast, this this false, yeah, the the antichrist, this man of sin that's going to come is an eighth. That's an interesting thing. Somehow he is after the completion of the Roman Empire, but maybe representative of the whole thing. But in any event, what we have here, I think, is God telling us that this is going to be the end of the age. This is how it's all going to be wrapped up and completed. And these are the things that are going to happen. They're going to happen. Now, the fact that they're going to happen tells us God has this well in control. And He does not tell us when, but what He does tell us is be ready. And be ready at all times. So, as we see these birth pangs happen, I think we can expect to see men of sin. It may well be that the men of sin wrap themselves in the cloth of Christian uh, theology, Christian language, lingo. Uh, It may be that that they wrap themselves in other kinds of morality. But we can expect lawlessness. We can expect, and it's going to be cycles. We don't know which cycle we're in. We may be in the last cycle. It may get really bad. Uh, at any point in time. It may, it, we may have a respite. We don't know. But what we do know is that God has told us in, his, in, in, this, in this message here, the revelation, that our job is to become an overcomer, as He overcame. And what is it that Jesus overcome? He overcame temptation to not obey and to depend on Himself. And instead, He obeyed completely, fully, even to death on the cross. And he depended on his Father, even though he was capable of being completely independent. We are not capable of being independent, but yet think we can be. So this opportunity is for us to obey and endure to the end and continuing to love, even though lawlessness prevails. And that's how we become overcomers. We don't know which of the birth pangs we're in, We do know that these basic things, wars and rumors of wars and sinful people, are going to keep happening over and over again and affect us. And as we do, if we can keep our love from going cold, if we can continue to obey what God's told us to do, which includes praying for our enemies and things like that, then we will be overcomers. God has said it. God has promised it. And we can count on that. And that is incredibly encouraging. If we look to the world for encouragement, we're not going to get it, are we? But if we look to God and what God has promised, that these, we're going to have a culmination of this human history it's, and it's going to be replaced with a kingdom He makes, we can't trust in the Roman Empire. We can trust in the kingdom of God. And that is a great encouragement to us. God, thanks for giving us these words of encouragement, these signs that we can look to, this... Uh, 
encouragement to always be ready and watching, even into the end of the age. And this amazing promise you've given us that not only are you in control of all things, you've given us this amazing opportunity, this free will that we have to choose whether or not to obey you and whether or not to become an overcomer. God, as sin enters our world and and comes from every conceivable direction, I pray that you'll help us not let our love grow cold. And we'll continue to walk in obedience to you. Because overcoming includes, Father, forgive them, they know what, what they do. And it's really difficult to do that when we get so much injustice that comes into our lives and so much lying and so much falsehood. But we know where that comes from. You've told us here. And I pray that we'll just absolutely refuse to let Satan take us into his realm and succumb to retaliation and vengeance of our own doing because we know you're going to take care of it all in due time. Help us trust you in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our series, The History of Prophecy. In the midst of our struggle to make sense of our past, present, and future, both individually and collectively, God provides a great resource of biblical prophecy to aid us on the journey. Join us as we continue to pursue the truth of God's Word in our next series, How to Be Rich. For more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, please visit our website, yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net.